Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of TCU's Three Wise Men. As always, we have your three favorite geniuses giving our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football. I'm Connor Mortel. I've got Jacob to my right here. We are coming to you on a very special edition of this week's episode from the TCU Student Chambers together. And zooming in from somewhere else because he's lame and thought a Cardinals game was more important than the Colorado game is our third genius, Barrett. Um... So we can talk later. Maybe we can mention the Nickel State game. But at the end of the day, I think the real thing we need to talk about this week is the Colorado game. What? There, there's an ancient law that states what can go wrong will go wrong. I think we experienced that this week. And I think we just got to dive into it. What, what could go wrong and what did go wrong? Well, I think everybody will agree that the defensive backs definitely uh, didn't really pull their weight. Um, also, another thing that just didn't go well was the field goal unit on the one field goal that we had. Yeah, uh, Griffin Kell inexplicably missed um, missed the field goal from forty three yards or something like that. Uh, and then I think people can say that the play calling wasn't necessarily the best, especially on the final drive. Yes. Um, but uh, what I did find out was that Imani Bailey was cramping. Oh. So that's why he wasn't <coughs> driving. It was Sanders um, in there. Uh, and also people on the sports board were talking about this. They said that Savion needed to sit on that third down, uh, sit in the zone instead of continue running. And Chandler threw it to where he thought that Savion was going to be oh, sitting down in the zone. And Savion continued running, so they just weren't on the same page there. So maybe it was an inaccurate throw because Lord knows Chandler had a couple of them in the game. But uh, it also it also might have been uh, just, just some – Miscommunication between the two of them on the first game jitters. Yeah, yeah. I, I, before I start kind of bad mouthing some of the things that TCU did, <laughs> props to Colorado, man. Shitter Sanders balled out as their quarterback. And their three headed monster of Sanders and Hunter and Edwards on offense is going to be a problem for a lot of teams. And so, Props to them. They did. They executed their game plan on offense. Hunter proved why he was a number one recruit. Um, I thought his size was going to hinder him a, a little bit in this game, but uh, he's got speed to burn. His body control is ridiculous. His ball skills are incredible. Um, I can definitely see why he was so highly touted. Um, Sanders, I think, made him look even better. Uh, having a pro-ready quarterback like him um, with that mindset and being able to move in the pocket, he looked really, really good. And then Edwards, like you said in the in the last episode, Jacob, he's got speed to burn. That dude is fast. Um, and they made us look silly. I, I will say I, Gillespie's 
play calling or scheme in this game kind of confused me. Um, they don't have a lot of size on the outside, and we sat 10 yards off of them a lot. Um, I kind of expected to have more bump and run coverage and kind of throw them off of their routes because a, a lot of the yardage that they were getting were quick hitter routes underneath because our guys were just sitting so far back. Um, yeah, and because they were sitting so far back, they were able to catch the ball because – Another person we should give props to is their offensive coordinator. Um, he knew that their offensive line wasn't going to hold, which it didn't when we actually covered their receivers and we got four sacks. But uh, he knew that, and so he designed plays and ran plays that were two seconds, and the ball was out. We don't, We just didn't have time to get to the quarterback. And yeah. because we were sitting so far back, the ball gets out so quickly, we miss tackles because we're running up to them. They have time to make a move, and then we miss a tackle, and they're gone. Yeah, well, and on the, on the missed tackle and they're gone front, I was chatting with somebody earlier, and they gave me the statistic that 52% of Colorado's yards came after the catch, and it was just all our missed tackles. Their, their whole offense was off of our missed tackles. Yeah, I think we had 18 missed tackles was the that final was count. brutal. Yeah, uh, kudos to Sean Lewis. Coached a great game. Um, like I said earlier, he's typically got a run-first offense, but I think he recognized very early on that running the ball was not going to work against this team um, and with the team comp that he has. And so he switched to those short passes, like he said. And I mean, their, their playmakers got the ball and made plays, and that was kind of that. So, yeah. DCU. The wheel route really came to bite us again. It was kind of reminiscent of the Gary Patterson days oh my gosh, where yes. we just decided not to cover the running back several times and uh, it didn't go well. Or we had like a, a much slower linebacker matched up on Edwards. And when you have a slow linebacker matched up on, on Edwards, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <coughs> Oh, quarterback play in the red zone. Oh, my gosh. That was brutal. Yeah. The first pick was just telegraphed. It Everybody saw that one coming. I was, uh, I was sitting with Jacob at the game, and not only did everyone see that coming, Jacob said out loud well before it happened that it was happening. He, I mean, it was – it literally, as it was happening, he pointed it out, saw it a mile away – and if Jacob is seeing it from this, from our OK seats on the other side of the field, <laughs> he they're they're seeing it a mile away. Yeah, the first pick was just a poor decision uh, by Chandler. The second one wasn't necessarily a bad decision. I thought it was a bad play call. Um, but really, if Chandler had gotten the ball out a second earlier. That's a touchdown. He just threw the ball too late and gave – and by taking time, he gave um, – what's his name? Travis Hunter. Yeah, Travis Hunter time to recognize it and pick it off. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say on the second pick, I mean, to your point, if he had – he should have seen that, read the defense a little earlier and gotten it out there. Um, at the point that he did, he should have just held the ball and taken off. Um, I, I agree. I don't think 
And I'll say this about the entire game. I don't think Kendall Bryles called a good game. There were a lot of times where we would have one play and it'd go well, and then he'd call the exact same play right so after. I, I feel really conflicted about this. Because on the one hand, watching it, Every 10 seconds, I would just, why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? And I, I was disappointed on every other play call. But on the other side, I, um, I was struggling because short of those two interceptions in the red zone, if those two don't get thrown as picks, we make that field goal and we put on another 17 points and we don't make those three glaring errors we outscore any of our three projections on the score from last week. So as bad of the decision-making as we saw, our offense really put up as much as any of us were expecting it to last week while we were being optimistic. So I, I'm conflicted because I, I was sitting in the stand and the whole time all I was thinking was this is terrible. But the more I look at it, the more I'm like, well, they, they showed up and put up, I mean, 42 points should be enough. Yeah, yeah I, I think realistically, we, sh- we should have seen the ball run a lot more than we did. Um, it was working, and obviously, um, Bailey going down with cramps probably plays into that decision-making, but you've got Trey Sanders as your next best running back out there. Um, I, I don't think that passing the ball as much as we did was the right decision. <laughs> yeah, I and that's where I think – on the second pick especially, we were really trying to go tempo this game and use the weather to our advantage, which I think everybody saw pretty early on. The weather wasn't playing as much to our advantage as we all thought it would. Yeah. And so everybody in our section was screaming, run the ball up the middle on that play. But we had Major Everhart in the backfield, who's a slot receiver speed back and they're not going to run him up the middle but because they were trying to go tempo and go really quickly they didn't want to sub in sanders and i think that that's something that they need to look at maybe making a sub and not going tempo every single time is going to end up being more beneficial to us than otherwise well, and the other thing with the weather, it was, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was i was about to have a heat stroke by the end of the game, and I went to get water and literally couldn't because it was sold out across the stadium. But the first half, there was a lot of cloud coverage, and it was actually beautiful the entire first half. So where we were counting on guys like Travis Hunter would go both ways to just burn out in 100-degree weather, that 100-degree weather came a lot later in the day than we were banking on, and it just like you said, we just didn't see that effect the way we wanted to. Yeah. Which was unfortunate. And then losing Bailey uh, was the big thing. And you, if you listen to Dyke's post-game presser, he uh, was not terribly happy with that. Um, Did you see Dyke's comment about Kaz? Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah, that was – that was interesting. And I don't know if it was directed directly at cause or 
as much as like the on-field trainers who were trying to get I, him back into the game. Maybe, but it felt direct. For those who are listening who don't hear it or who don't have it, I don't have it right in front of me, but it was something along the lines of Colorado had some player play every single down on offense and defense, and we have eyes cramping up in the second half. I thought we had a good strength and conditioning team here. And that, I, that was that felt pretty pointed at Cos. Yeah. Uh, which is so interesting because watching the uh, watching the Carter Boys episode, yeah, uh, Cause came out firing. Oh yeah, and so so I think this game is just going to serve as a wake up call. Um, a lot of things went wrong, but luckily most of them I think are, are fixable, and the things that went r- well, I thought went pretty well. Um, just like Amani Bailey when he was on the field, um, he had what 164 yards on 14 carries. Um, and if you take out his big run, he still averaged seven yards a carry. Amani Bailey is going to be a freaking animal this season. I I have a lot of things I'm not looking forward to after this weekend. Amani Bailey is not on that list. Every time he touched the ball, I felt good. And I, I went into the second half. I looked right at you, and I was saying that Imani Bailey is going to break free this second half. And he ended up cramping and having his flaws in that last drive. But he shredded that field. He isn't. He's he's a talent. I love Imani Bailey. I'm, I'm looking forward to our running game for this oh, season. Yeah. Oh, our yeah. running back core is very strong. Um, I think Bryles can play more similarly to what he did at Arkansas and lean more heavily on the run than he did in this game. Um, personally, I don't necessarily trust Chandler Morris as much as I trust our running backs. Uh, we <coughs> receiving core. I like J.P. Richardson a lot. He looked really good this game. Um, yeah. I think that our running back duo of Sanders and Bailey – and this is an Arkansas fan's bias coming out, but looks very similar to back in the day with Arkansas with Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. You've got Thunder and Lightning. You've got a big, powerful back who's still got a lot of speed. And then you've got a burner who can slice you up the middle and take you deep I, for 70 yards. I've been comparing it to uh, Jet and Shewo. Yeah. Like where it's the same kind of Lightning and Thunder type deal. I'm really excited for that run game. And as far as not trusting Chandler goes, I, I don't trust Chandler. But I felt good seeing the the one time we drew up the play for him to run it into the end zone. At the end of the day, what the difference between Chandler and Max is a lot. But the big one that it's going to come down to in my mind is Max is was the kind of guy who would just make that happen by sheer force of will. Chandler is not that guy, and we can't expect that from him. He did show that if we draw it up for him and set it up for him, he can execute. So I think we're going to have to have a little more IQ just in the rest of our team setting it up for him. And, I mean, we've we've got IQ. The pyramids aren't real. But as long as we've got that IQ on the rest of our (laughs) team, I think we can set it up that Chandler can be successful. And like Jacob said a lot this week is that Chandler doesn't have to be a Heisman caliber quarterback, but he does have to be an average quarterback. And that's not what we saw this past week. 
But if we can just set it up that as long as he, to quote Sonny Dyke, does, Dykes, does his job, then we'll be fine. We just need to not hope for a Max Duggan type deal where he's just going to get up and put it on his back and figure it out. Someone else is going to have to be making the plays. He's going to have to rely on guys like Bailey and J.B. Richardson to get the job done if we can just draw it up right. I think the the inside of our offense, and by the inside I mean the offensive line, Jared Wiley at tight end, our slot receivers, and our running backs. Um, people who play closer to that line <laughs> really, really good this game. Um, yeah. I, I expect more out of Savion. He was basically a non-factor in this game. So um, I will say, to talk about Savion, what I've been saying, at least through the day, Jacob had a great quote an episode or two back that our wide receiver room is deeper than it's ever or deeper than it was last year. But of course we don't have QJ. And he said, you can't replace QJ with one guy. You can replace him with two or three guys. I don't think we were doing a great job of playing to our guys. Frank. I mean, we spread out the receptions a lot and there were a lot of guys there, but I had a lot of feeling that the energy was it's Savion's job to be the new QJ. And that's just not going to happen. It's We need to do a better job of saying it's Savion's job to be Savion. It's, uh, what's the name, Besh's job to be Besh, JB, JBR's job to be JBR, and let them do their jobs rather than expect Savion to be the new QJ. I think that's a really good point. I think because Savion was held out of practice leading up to the season and people are like, oh, he's the leading receiver from last year's team. He's just as big as QJ. He might be faster than QJ. Uh, people are like, he's going to be the next QJ. Um, and I think your point about tampering expectations to what exactly he's going to do, I hadn't thought about it that way. I thought about replacing his production with three or four people, but um, you still expect Savion to get his. And uh, he didn't in this game, but maybe he will ask their next game. And if you remember Quentin to start off the season last year, First couple games were not terribly good or productive at all. Um, and then he turned it on at the end of the season. Uh, but to Barrett's point, I thought the inside of the offense was fantastic. Like the offensive line, they were the reason that we had over 200 yards rushing. Um, like we had no sacks and no tackles for loss, which is just, I think, an incredible stat. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the offensive line showed up. They showed out. And uh, Chandler multiple times freaked out way before he had to freak out. Um, I will say the final play of the game was not so good from the offensive line's perspective. But for the majority of the game, Chandler had six, seven seconds before he even had to do anything, uh, which honestly goes – props to Colorado's defensive backfield for not letting Chandler throw it within those first six seconds. That's, that just shows good defense. But, uh, but really I thought the offensive line did well. Um, and I think another thing we need to highlight are the special teams oh, outside yeah. of the missed field goal. Um, you got a blocked field goal in the first half and then, Everhart had that huge kickoff return. So I will say, and this is, it, it's wrong of me to nitpick the fact that he didn't make it in on the kickoff return. But one of the feelings I got watching this game was that 
<laughs> a lot of what was different from last year were there were a lot of those plays where we had that huge kickoff return and we had Imani Bailey's huge run. And I, I think they both ended with touchdowns either way. But there was something to be said about the fact that they both fell short to me. I feel like our guys are seeing the end zone as the finish line and compromising at 90 yards, whereas like Kendra Miller and QJ were – I want to get in there standing up. And if I even fall down in the end zone, I've failed. And as a result, when they fell and compromised, they were still in the end zone. I, I felt like these guys didn't, and this is easy for me to say sitting in the stands, like I'm just some a-hole who doesn't know better, but I just, I felt like these guys didn't have the same will that they had last year to really like, I'm going to, again, to do my job. Like it's, these guys are doing their best and they're doing great, but they don't have that, just that urge of I'm going to do my job. I'm going to get this in there. Yeah. I feel like Colorado honestly beat us the same way that we won a lot of games last year. And the fact that they might not have been the most talented team, but they came in and they played hard and they didn't make dumb mistakes. Like we had so many false starts. Colorado had one or two. But we had so many false starts, and we had Jamoy made that dumb roughing the passer that, in my opinion, wasn't roughing the passer, but it was called. And then we had another face mask down the field. We had a pass interference on third down. We just had so many dumb mistakes, and Colorado played a relatively clean, efficient game. They came in. They didn't – they had their chunk plays, but overall they just – they just played clean and simple football. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's why we were so good yeah. last year. We played simple football and we played to our strengths and didn't try and do too much. And that's exactly what Colorado did. They, they didn't try. They to did their job. Yeah. They did their job and we didn't. Although I will say, and this, I'm not trying to say if not for this one call, we would have had it. We lost fair and square. There were bad calls across the board. But as far as clean football goes, can we address the freaking illegal block in the back on that one play that freaking killed me. And I, life goes on. We had plays that were questionable at best. Our fumble recovery was a little questionable. There were bad calls every way. So I'm not saying that made or broke the game, but man, it freaking killed me. Yeah. Yeah. I think to, to Jacob's point, like we shot ourselves in the foot in this game. Um, a ton of flags pulling back, whether it's e- even if it's a big player just early in the game um, or in key downs, especially on the defensive side, giving Colorado a first down after a third and however many, um, keeping their drives alive, a missed field goal, um, missing wide open receivers on, on big passes for a third down, two picks in the red zone, like, we really, really handed them this game um, with the mistakes that we made on our own time. Yeah, it, it was just a tough game all around, but I think it's fixable. The, I was going to say the optimism to the fact that we handed them the game is that we can stop handing people games. And I really liked the accountability everybody had. I, I don't know if you guys saw Sonny's tweet. But he came out and he literally tweeted apologizing, saying, this is my fault. Stay with us. We're going to fix this. Uh, Jared Wiley, uh, our podcast's biggest fan, came out and said, <laughs> came out and said, hey, 
don't freak out. We're getting this under, we're getting this under control. So everybody really did. And then even like Donati, when the players didn't stay out for the alma mater, Donati came out and said, that was my fault, which it wasn't. I don't know how Donati could have been expected to do that, but he stepped up and said, I'm going to take accountability from what I've seen. Every guy that had the opportunity to has come out and said, we lost because of me. They're all bearing it on their own shoulders. And that makes me feel good about the possibility for fixing it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if we fix it, that's going to look really good later in the season. Yes. But if we don't fix it, that kind of talk just looks kind of cringe, in my opinion. So uh, please fix it, TCU football. <laughs> Kendall Bryles, make adjustments. Well, Joe Gillespie. I was going to say Joe Gillespie. Like I said Great earlier, <laughs> I, I want to hate Kendall Riles. Anyone who's listened to this many episodes, I think I've made a complaint about Kendall Riles every second. I want to hate him. And I said if he's anything but the number one offense in the country, I'm going to be disappointed. And that was certainly not the number one offense in the country. But I have to say, he did his job enough to – he that should have got us gotten us the win. Joe Gillespie needed to make – and I have to say, I was really disappointed in the second half. I didn't. I wasn't worried at all in the first half with our defense because we'd never seen Colorado before. I knew we'd make adjustments. Life would go on, and then we came out in the second half and gave up that. We're making the exact stream. same mistakes, if not worse. Yeah. So we have got to make adjustments on our defense. We've got to play defense. Yeah, and something that really got me was um, that fourth and two play where they swung it out to Edwards uh, and scored from like forty-three yards out. They had. Uh, I think it was Jamoy on him, which, like, okay, Jamoy needs to take a better angle on that one. Um, but first off, you shouldn't be expecting a linebacker to cover Edwards. Uh, and second, at about, like, the 15-yard line, Mark Perry had a beat on him. He could have gotten him down. And instead, he stopped and waited for Edwards to make his move and then – by the time yeah. he realized what was happening, Edwards just by him and in the end zone. When I saw Mark Perry <clears> just stop running, I my mind was blown. That that can't happen. You got to be the aggressor there. You have to take it to him. Trust your own physical ability. Do I, I'm gonna say it again? Do your job. Yeah. It's you've got to. We were we were so hesitant on everything. We were, you got to worry about yourself and do your job and you just got to go do it. And if you get burnt, you get burnt, but go do your freaking job. Yeah. So with that, uh, <coughs> since we are the three wise men, I figured that we'd highlight three different players every week. We'd have the golden player, the Franken sensational player, and the player we want Murr out of. Um, so I think this week the golden player is, has to be Imani Bailey. Uh, yeah. I, I will fight anyone who says otherwise. Yeah. Um, hopefully he can get his cramps conditioning figured out because we're going to need him this season. Um, 14 carries 164 yards. He didn't get the touchdowns, but without him, those touchdowns don't happen. Uh, so Connor, you want to talk about the Franken sensational player? Frankenson, the Franken sensationally bad award. We we've hit we've hit this name a little bit already. In fact, we came right off of it here. It's Joe Gillespie. 
it's it's our defense as an entire whole. They the offense made a lot of mistakes, but the offense did enough to get a win, and the defense threw it away at every chance we got. We could not get a stop to save our lives, and there were fair excuses. There were moments that the defense blew it, and I was like, well, you know what, that's going to happen. Life goes on. But we gave up 50 million just death by a thousand cuts to the screen pass. We we had absolutely no adjustments to handle it. We it I I, I got to throw Joe Gillespie the freaking sensationally bad award. Yeah, Barrett, you want to take the people that we want a little bit more out of? Yeah, I think I think we want a little bit more out of the defensive backs. And to the point of Joe Gillespie, I mean. Part of it is, is is scheme and us not sitting 10 yards off of these receivers who are known to be kind of shifty slot guys. And I, I will say, even when we did press up on them, they just didn't look good. And we got burned very easily, and we missed a lot of open field tackles that should have stopped <laughs> long runs. And if, if they're throwing those short four or five yard curl routes or, or slants or whatever, if you wrap up, that's four or five yards. And that's not a, a 30, 45 yard touchdown to Dylan Edwards on the outside um, making Mark Perry miss. And so I, I think the guys we want Murr out of, definitely the defensive backs. And I, we know we've got some talent back there. We just need to see it. Yeah. And Somebody on the boards was saying that we needed to roll with the freshman. Um, and I don't know necessarily if that is the case. We definitely have some talented underclassmen back there. Uh, but, you know, I trust Bud Clark to get right. Mark Perry's experienced. He's going to do well eventually, I think. And then Josh Foster, Miller Bradford, they, they just – I think they were caught by surprise frankly, which I was surprised by because nobody was talking crap before this week. Like we weren't talking anything about Colorado. So I thought that our players were coming out, taking them seriously. And then when it got on the field, they just didn't play like it. Although I, for what it's worth, I really hope, I mean, if that's the problem, then we're in great shape. If it's that we really just came in a bunch of cocky a-holes and didn't prepare properly, I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm not thrilled about that, but I'm thrilled because – we can prepare properly. We can calm that down. And quite frankly, the fact that we lost will force us to do that a little more. If that's, if that's the problem, then we could have a very good season left out of us. Yeah. I would say resetting expectations to the frogs right now. And like Jacob said earlier, this is a wake up call of a game. And the fact that we lost this game when we really shouldn't have, um, I think goes to show to, to Connor's point that, we came in and we weren't prepared. We were thinking we were better than we are. And I think we, we can were, we, we can still win. Like Michigan last year. I felt a lot like Michigan did against us. Yes. Yeah. And we can still win the Big 12. We can still have a really, really strong season, I feel like, with this team. But it's going to take a, a lot of commitment from the guys to actually do their job um, and, and take that to heart. Um, I think that – not necessarily nickel state because I mean we're we're about to get into that, but they're they're not necessarily that great. But I think these next few games, um, the first couple of Big Twelve games, will be really key 
in determining how our season goes. Absolutely. I'm not ready to write them off yet. And I know people are mad at Chandler. I'm not ready to write Chandler off yet. Um, one game against a defense that you don't know what you're going to see, that's not enough. Like The Houston game and especially the SMU game are going to tell us a lot about our team because everybody knows SMU is going to come out firing, especially after that uh, ACC news. Guys, we blew it. <laughs> we we here at the Three Wise Men podcast did not predict that one right. We predicted it. We celebrated a victory lap in how well we predicted it. And it's time we apologize to you on that one. Yeah. The SMU apparently had more than zero chance to make it to the ACC. However, I hold to what we said last week that it's still out of the frying pan and into the fire. They made it in but they're nine years without revenue. FSU and Clemson still were voting against them, so I don't see them necessarily still feeling good about staying. UNC was too. They're, yeah, they're in a really shaky position still. F SMU did what they needed to do, and it was the best thing to do in their position, but now they got to worry about what comes next because they are now into the fire. Um, but I'm scared of the SMU game. I'm scared of the SMU game every year. I have a running bet with my friend on the spread every year. It's the only time I'm willing to bet on TCU. And I do not comfortably – when I win, I barely win. And we lose against the spread a lot, and the spread is not that big a lot of the time. SMU is going to come out into a rivalry game absolutely pissed off at us in a way they never have before, and I'm really scared about it. But the truth of the matter is the more scared I am – the more opportunity this team has to come out and make a statement and say, no, Colorado was a mistake. We're not that team. We're going to come bury Houston and bury SMU. I, I don't believe that will happen, but I really, I I'm giving them every bet, every chance to show me that that can happen. Yeah. But before we get to uh, SMU though, we, we have yeah. the powerhouse nickel state. I think the general consensus is as rough as this last game was, we, we should feel comfortable that Nickel State is not going to Texas State us. Yeah, I, the, the few things I will say about Nickel State, just to give some idea of the team, um, they've had the same coach for like seven years. So the players that are there are definitely players that fit the system. <laughs> so that's one thing. They, they are an FCS team. They're a top 10 FCS team. Um, so they're no, like, I would say, pushover in terms of like FCS opponents. Um, offenses of pro style offensive scheme makes in a few different looks um, similar to what you'll see in a lot of different places around the country um, defense it's it's kind of a, a weird defense it's like a 4-3 but one of them typically stands up so 4-3 offset three, four, pretty baseline pretty generic offense and defensive schemes uh, listen I don't Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I don't expect them to to be put up much of a fight against us. Uh, we got scythe and speed on them, but although I will say, Colorado, so <laughs> off of what you just said, well, yeah, that's that's a fair point. But also off of what you just said, I know we all thought Colorado was a gimme, but Nickel State is a hopefully genuine gimme. But even being a gimme, there's something to be said about what you said that they're the top ten FCS team. Even if we fix every mistake we make this weekend, 
we're not going to do what Oklahoma and Oregon did and put up 73 or 80 on nickel state. They're, they're a, kind of a joke team, but they're one of the best among the joke teams. And we shouldn't be disappointed if we don't put up 80 points the way Oregon did or 70 points the way Oklahoma did. We could very well be contending as a playoff team. I mean, I'm not expecting that, but if we were a playoff team, we could still go to nickel state and only win by 40. Like it's the fact that the fact that they're the biggest FC, the top 10 FCS team, we should go out and clobber them, but we shouldn't be disappointed if we don't see an Oregon or Oklahoma style. clobber. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'll say, don't expect Sonny to overlook nickel state this week after that loss. <laughs> yeah. pull, pull out the whole playbook. I want trick plays against nickel state. Yeah. I will say though, Nickel State does have former ECU <clears throat> great Quincy Brown at wide receiver. He he uh, transferred there this past year, um, although they did get absolutely routed at home last week by Sacramento State. They lost by like 20 at home. So I just kind of feel bad for them coming to us after that Colorado game. Um, we should see a lot. <coughs> Um, I also will say off of what you just said and what I just said, if we see, we, we should see a lot because if, like I said, we shouldn't expect an Oregon or an Oklahoma blowout. So as a result, if we do, we should take that as an incredible sign there, even though they're not a real major powerhouse, there's, there are lessons to be learned in this game. Um, with that. Unless you guys have any last words on Nickel State here? I got nothing. All right, so we're going to review some of our picks from last week, and we're going to get into our picks for this next week. But we are not going to be doing this alone. We are entering – we are having joined in the chat a buddy of ours. Those of you active on Twitter know Dorico Henrio, the perhaps most aggressive Twitter poster there is really the destroyer of all other fan bases. So here to join us for this week's picks and discussion is Dorico Henrio. Yeah, I believe he is known as to have the hottest and sometimes most pathetic takes on Twitter. So <laughs> we're, we're happy to have you, Derrico. All right, well, oh, it's the guys that are me on. All right, Derek, before we get into, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of last week's games while you're here, and then we're going to make our picks, and we want your picks as well. But before we get into these picks, I've been hearing some word around the Twitter sphere that you're tasing your balls today. Uh, not today. It's whenever the uh, it's whenever the taser comes in Amazon. Oh, when the taser uh, okay. comes in Amazon. Okay. Yeah. But we, we are receiving it. For those who don't know, Derek did promise to tase his balls if we lost to Colorado and He's a man of his word. Yep. Uh, if, if I may, if I may correct you, I promise to tase my balls if we do not cover the spread. Oh, okay. Well, we did even we better. Did, we did neither. So. <laughs> I know it just looks a lot worse. I just wonder. Yeah, it just looks a lot worse. <laughs> All but, right. Well, uh, I will. I will be streaming it on uh, on OnlyFans. <laughs> so it'll be pay per view. Are, are you are you comfortable promising right now to donate ten percent of the revenue to TCU NIL? 
Uh, 100% of the proceeds will go to TCU. 100%. Guys, this is content you can't get anywhere other than OnlyFans and TCU's three wise men. Yeah, there you go. Flying T, get ready for possibly a million. I would say that you should, Flying T should be expecting slightly more revenue than SMU just for when to join the ACC. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, our picks from last week, I'm just going to highlight a few. I can't name our winners because as it turns out, as of this recording, not all of the games are over. So some of the picks are left to be had, but I am going to highlight a couple of the big calls we made. I'd like to say, firstly, TCU's three wise men unanimously picked Texas State to beat Baylor. I don't think anyone else in the country picked Texas State to beat Baylor, but we did. We are three geniuses, and that's our proof right there. On top of that, Barrett doubled down and also had the upset of Wyoming over Texas Tech. So Barrett nailed two of the biggest upsets of the week. And quite frankly, if he was a little further from the picture, may have nailed the one on TCU, but we were just a little too close to the puzzle. Those paying attention would know that if you bet $100 on a parlay on Colorado, Texas State, and Wyoming, you would have $60,000 right now for what it's worth. The, uh, the other game I want to quickly mention is, again, highlighting Barrett's acumen here. I had the Utah-Florida over... Barrett made it very clear to me on the episode and off the episode that that was a poor idea. And Barrett was right yet again and was very vindicated in that take. Never trust the offense. The last game from last week I want to highlight is our mystery game. It was Rhode Island at Georgia State. For those of you who watched it, which is me, It might have been the best game of the week, and I'm not saying this is a joke. Rhode Island came into that game with a 6% chance of winning. Georgia State was supposed to steamroll them, and it was neck and neck the entire game. Georgia State pulled away at the very end to win by 7 or 8, but it was a one-point game the vast majority of the game. One of the best college football games I've ever seen. Go back and rewatch it. Georgia State, Rhode Island. Georgia State walked away with the win, and unfortunately, TCU's three wise men picked unanimously Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) With that, we have got some picks for this week to be had. So, as always, we're going to start with a one-point round for all of the Big 12 games. This week, I am going to let Derrico go first, and then Barrett, and then Jacob. So, Derrico, Illinois or Kansas? Kansas by two touchdowns. Barrett? Uh, I'm going to go KU here. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Kansas. You know what? I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to call Illinois. I was going to call Kansas, but I'm, I'm calling Illinois. I don't want us all unanimous on this. And quite frankly... Kansas had a great season last year, and we'll see if they hold up. So I'm, I'm going to go Illinois. Oregon at Texas Tech. Derrico. Texas Tech. I'm going to Oregon. I'm going to go Oregon as well. I, I'm a homer. I'm a Tech PhD student. I'm giving it a Tech. All right. Utah at Baylor. Derrico. Utah. Yeah, I think Utah pulls this one out. I stated last week that I was not going to pick Baylor a single time this season. So 
I'm on with Utah. I stated with Jacob that I'd be riding with him on that. But on top of that, even if I weren't, Utah's a heck of a lot better than Texas State. Go Utes, baby. Troy at Kansas State. Derek out. Kansas State fans piss me off, but I think I'm going to have to go Kansas State here. Uh, yeah, I think I honestly think Troy is an underrated bad team for whatever reason. Um, I think they play them a lot closer than people expect them to, but I think Kansas State pulls this one out. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas State as well. So I mentioned I'm getting my PhD and it's in economics. The particular school of economics I study is studied better at Troy than at most places. And as a result, I've got a lot of friends at Troy. I'm riding with the Trojans. They're taking down K-State. Here we go, boys. All right. Southern Utah at BYU. Derek out. BYU. Yeah, BYU. <laughs> I'll take Southern Utah. Why not? I'm sticking with the Mormons. Go BYU. All right. Iowa, Iowa State. Derek out. So almost all of Iowa State's starters are in gambling jail. <laughs> but Iowa's offense... Uh, hasn't evolved past 1933, so this is this is kind of a tough one. Uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to stick with Iowa here. Yeah, I'm just gonna pick the under here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> both these offenses are not gonna look good. Um, I'll probably you know I'll I'll stick with Matt Campbell. I'll go Iowa State. I'm gonna go with Iowa. I'm going with Iowa too. Um, it our enormous Iowa State following can correct me on this if I'm wrong. I think Iowa runs this this uh, rivalry most of the time, and even if they didn't, like Derrico said, they are they're in gambling jail. They've been imprisoned for victimless crimes, and they should be freed. But until then, I'm going with Iowa. SMU at Oklahoma, Derrico. Oklahoma by four touchdowns. Yeah, I think OU steamrolling SMU in this one. I concur. Oklahoma by a freaking mile. Duquesne at, is that, if that's how you pronounce that, at West Virginia. That was the correct pronunciation. Uh, West Virginia, I thought, played very well against Penn State uh, and playing against a, kind of a bottom feeder FCS school. I mean, it's going to be West Virginia by quite a few touchdowns. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Derrico on this one. West Virginia is gonna gonna mop the floor here. Yep, I agree. West Virginia, Cincy Pitt. Oh man, uh, let's go with Pitt on this one. Honestly, Pitt was pretty good last year. Um, I think they lost their starting <laughs> running back though. I'm I'm gonna go with Cincy here. I don't necessarily feel super comfortable with that pick, but I'm going to go with Cincy. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I don't feel comfortable with either pick, but I feel less comfortable with Cincy, so I'm going with Pitt. <laughs> um, Texas at Bama. So this is one of my flaming hot takes here. Uh, my, I think Texas is going to go in to Bryant-Denny Stadium and beat Alabama – then lay a fat egg against Wyoming the following week. <laughs> that is my that is my prediction. It is being recorded right here, so I called it before it happened. Texas is going to win this weekend. I think UT is going to get steamrolled in this game, in all honesty. 
Yeah, like I, I agree. take from Derrico. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched their first half against Rice, and uh, they didn't look great. And then I watched Alabama's game, and Alabama did. So I'm going with, with Bama. Hey, I, uh, I, I, will, I will say, going off of Derrico's take, though, we have a sh- real shot at Wyoming being 3-0 and after so, we through the season. I tend to agree with Derrico, not in the actual result, but for those who listen to our Week Zero podcast, I said Texas would overperform against Bama and Texas would underperform against Wyoming. I have Texas covering the spread but losing this one. UCF, Boise State. UCF. I, I think UCF's the best team in Florida, honestly. Um, I know, Connor, you don't like that. You're Florida, incorrect, but that's but, fine. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with UCF here. Yeah, I agree. I, I bet Boise Moneyline this week, and they lost significantly, so they hurt me deeply, but I'm riding with them still. Boise, Boise's taking this one. Houston at Rice. Erica. Houston. Rice looked good against UT this weekend. Um, honestly, I'm picking Rice here. Yeah, that, that's that's a tough one because, you know, uh, West Virginia's got a man in uh, – or used to have a man playing for Rice at quarterback, uh, JT Daniels, um, who who played well against Texas. They were definitely outmatched, but they wouldn't be – terribly against Houston, but I picked against them last week with UTSA and um, was incorrect, and I'm not going to make that mistake again. So I'm going to ride with Houston. Uh, yeah, I'm Houston. I, they were better than I hoped. Rice was better than I hoped they were, but uh, they're not beating Houston. Uh, we then wrap up our Big 12 portion, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, which is a soon-to-be Big 12 matchup, which don't go well for current Big 12 schools, apparently. Derrick it's a tough one. Oklahoma State looked terrible against Central Arkansas, and Arizona State looked terrible against Southern Utah. So it's going to be a battle of two terrible teams here. I think I'm leaning Oklahoma State with this one. All right. I'm going to go with – I think it's Jaden Rashada is his last name. Um, I'm going to go with Arizona State, the new freshman quarterback. That is precisely the reason I'm not picking Arizona State because he spurned us for them. So I'm going with Oklahoma State. I'm going with Oklahoma State also. All right, I'm not going to do too many non-Big 12 games before we get to our final round because we, uh, quite frankly, I think the interesting games of this week are in the Big 12. That being said, there are a couple ones out there that I think are worth picking on. Nebraska-Colorado. I think Colorado is going to steamroll them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Colorado in this one, too. I agree. This is their Super Bowl. Their fans have said that. Colorado. I'm, it, it, I think it's – I bet on Nebraska the first week of every of the last couple seasons, and they've never failed to let me down. I'm done betting on them. And then Ole Miss, Tulane, and then we'll move into our last round. Roll wave, baby. Tulane's gonna Tulane's gonna win this one. So I like Tulane. I think they're a good group of five team. I I don't think they beat Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss runs right over them. I'm gonna go with Tulane. All right. I'm also going with Tulane. In fact, I have money on Tulane, so I'm definitely going with them. 
for our last four picks here, we've got our powerhouses. First one, Stonehill versus Central Connecticut. See, I remember Central Connecticut making uh, the NCAA baseball tournament the last couple of years. So I know the baseball team's pretty good. So I think I'm going to go with them here. I'm going with Stonehill just because it sounds like a cool name. Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with Barrett here. Stonehill's by far a cooler name. Who wants to bet on Connecticut? Ignore that nonsense. Don't listen to the Connecticut noise. It's not Connecticut. It's central Connecticut. It's a directional it's Connecticut. Worse. That's just more Connecticut. It's inside Connecticut deeper. Not allowed. Next, we've got Wingate versus Mars Hill. I got to go Wingate here. I mean, yeah, let's go Wingate. Yeah, I'm going Wingate on this one too. The The travel time to get here from Mars is just too far, and they're, they're going to have a tough time. Yeah, I've, I've been to both of these schools. They're both two North Carolina schools. Um, and I've had a couple football friends who played at Mars Hill. So I'm going to go with Mars Hill. Dude, you guys are, you two are nerds. How are you not betting on the Martians? Mars Hill, baby. <laughs> all right. Our last one before our mystery pick and we wrap it all up. We've got Salisbury versus Muhlenberg. <laughs> these are, these are two state of Oklahoma. These are two state of Oklahoma powerhouses right here. Best got- two schools in Oklahoma. By far, by far. I've got to go. I've got to go with uh, the uh, Mulvanenberg, whatever that one was. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what it's called now. Jericho just renamed the school. I'm going with the state school. Salisbury sounds sounds like a good idea. I completely agree. Go steaks. I was going with Salisbury. The steak sounded delicious, but Derricko sold me. Mulvanenberg. Mulvanenberg all day long. They're running away with this. Lastly, we've got two powerhouses, and you will find out on next week's episode who you're picking. Are you taking team one or team two, Derricko? Uh, give me team three on this one. Derricko with a wise choice. <laughs> All right, I'm going team two here. Uh, I'm Team one was not good for me last week, but they will be this week. I'm going team one. All right, I'm doing the opposite of Jacob. Team one let me down last week. Team two it is. Thank you all very much. This has been your three favorite geniuses giving their not-so-genius takes on TCU sports, among other things. Have a fantastic week, and go Frogs. I only ask one thing, that your high priestess tell him the name of the man what sealed his fate, Taser Face.